Welcome to Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. Today is part five of a six-part series that we have been studying on prayer. Today we're going to be looking at verses 24 and 25 of 2 Chronicles 20. Just to give you a little backdrop on this prayer, we're studying Jehoshaphat who prayed because three enemies were coming against the nation Judah. In part one, we learned who the Lord God is and how important it is to pray in confidence based on who we know him to be. And in part two, we learn how timeless promises are, and we are to claim them, that we are to keep our eyes on Christ. We are to be ever watchful, watching him. And this basically lets us know that it's more important to watch and see what God is doing than to be watching to see what the enemy is doing. We must learn to shift our gaze. Now in part three, was God's response to Jehoshaphat's prayer, where the Lord basically tells the children of Judah and Jehoshaphat that this battle is mine, it is not yours, you will not need to fight. He gave them instructions that they were to go out the next day. They were to sing his praises. And that's exactly what they did. I'm going to read 24 and 25 to you. And it says that when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. Verse 25. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. I want to briefly go back verse 17. We touched on this a little bit yesterday, but I want to give it some more thought. Now verse 17 says, and this is part of the Lord's response to the prayer. He says, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. The phrase I wanted to focus on just for a moment is stand ye still. In the Bible, when the Lord tells us to take a stand, you know, firm up your attitude. Be established in the truth. Taking a battle position when you are standing. And you must position your body in such a way that if a force comes against you, it won't knock you down. But this is what the Lord is telling Judah to do in their faith, to take to plant their foot firmly on the rock of Christ Jesus and to take an attitude that they're not going to be moved, that the truth will stand in them and for them. He also is telling them to stop doubting, stop wavering, stop being faithless. And this is such an encouragement to them because when he gives us a command, he has already followed it up with his strength. When we stand on the rock of Christ Jesus in his word, the enemy has no option but to fall. 
there are some things mentally that we are challenged with. We often call it our emotions and our feelings. And some of those things often get in the way of us moving forward. Well, these are some of the things that we must stand against. We must take a firm stand against the enemy who is coming against us emotionally. Because if he can get us emotionally, he pretty much has us because what we think, how we feel drives our behavior. And so if he can get us overwhelmed and fearful and having a lot of anxiety, then he pretty much is dictating to us what we're going to do to the point where we can't even really hear what God is saying. And God has said, take a stand against this. Make a decision who you're going to believe and what you're going to believe. Now, the other thing I want to bring out about 17, verse 17, we must allow other people to see the power of God in our life. It's nothing boastful. It's nothing arrogant. It's nothing to be proud about. What the power of God does in our life is actually humbles us. We become meek and we become kinder. We become gentler. We become more accessible and available to God. This is what happens when we take a stand. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 24. I just wanted to bring that out because this is what prayer will do for us if we allow it. When we study God's word, when we pray and we act on his word and we experience his word, we will stand ye still against the enemy. The person that is standing in front of us while we are standing still is Christ. He always, always takes the brunt of what the enemy is doing to us. He always does. And in verse 24, there's something very special about these two verses because the enemy has been put down. God kept his promise. He said that they would not have to fight. They did have a part to play in the battle, but they didn't have to fight. They had to just show up to the battle. And this was significant because verse 24 says, when they came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, We've all had our wilderness experience, and we will have more. And to us, a wilderness experience is something desolate, something barren, something not attractive or appealing. You know, very few people want to go on a vacation in the desert or in a wilderness place. We like to go places where, you know, beautiful ocean sunsets and where the the trees and the greenery is lush and plush and beautiful. That's what our eyes are attracted to. But the Lord took them to the wilderness to see his glory. And this is important because we can experience the glory of God, the power of God, the peace of God, the love of God, the grace of God anywhere. It doesn't matter. And so he takes them to the wilderness and he tells them to go to the watchtower. What are they watching for? He's told them to see the salvation of the Lord. They didn't have to fight at all. They just had to show up. They had to take a stand. That was it. And this is what God has so long to do with his people, is to fight our battles for us if we would let him. Well, we get very focused on trying to do things in our own strength because we can't often see God's way and how he's going to make a way. So what we do is we interject ourselves into the situation where we should not be. I want to read a verse in Exodus right quick for us. And it's a powerful verse. We're going to take a look at Exodus 14. Now, this is when Moses had led the children out of Egypt, but they were in the front of a sea. On both sides of them were mountains. There was no place else to go because the enemy was pursuing them. 
they had already left Egypt. And as the people started to murmur and complain against Moses, against God, saying in verse, let's see, in 14 verse 12, it says, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. There you go. No foresight, no faith. We are very focused on what the enemy is doing. We see the enemy more powerful than God. And what we do, we start murmuring and complaining. We start getting depressed. We start, you know, rehearsing negative things in our mind. And oftentimes we're not even satisfied with that. We must tell other people negative things. We have to, you know, they're saying misery loves company. Well, this is a classic example. But what is the Lord's response to this? Verse 13. It says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore cry unto me, Speak unto the children of Israel that they may go forward. One of the reasons why we don't believe that we can overcome certain things is because we see it through the lens of our own strength. And yeah, we're going to fall. And yeah, it's going to be hard to overcome or to stop a behavior when we can only see it through the lenses of our own strength. And God is trying to correct that in us. But there's a quote I wanted to read to you. And it comes from a book called Patriots and Prophets. And the author is Ellen White. And the page is 277 and 290. She says, the great lessons here is taught for all times. Often the Christian life is beset by danger and duty. And duty seems hard to perform. The imagination pictures impending ruin before and bondage of death behind. Yet the voice of God speaks clearly, go forward. We should obey this command, even though our eyes cannot penetrate the darkness and we feel the cold waves about our feet. The obstacles that hinder our progress will never disappear before a halting, doubting spirit. Those who defer obedience till every shadow of uncertainty disappears and there remains no risk of failure or defeat will never obey at all. Unbelief whispers, let us wait until the obstacles are removed and we can see clearly our way. But faith courageously urges in advance, hoping all things, believing all things. The cloud that was a wall of darkness to the Egyptians was to the Hebrews a great flood of light, illuminating the whole camp and shedding brightness upon the path before them. So the dealings of providence brings to the unbelieving darkness and despair, while to the trusting soul, the path where God leads the way may lie through the desert or the sea, but it is a safe path. Now let's go back to Second Chronicles 20, and we're going to take a look at verse 25. God always rewards our faithfulness. It may not always be tangible, 
Sometimes it's just an overwhelming sense of peace. And one of the things I have learned, we will never appreciate God's blessings more than when we know we don't deserve them. When we realize how undeserving we are of God's blessing, his protection, his provisions, we are so humbled by what he does for us. As a, let's face it, some people do have an entitlement attitude towards God. This will never do. It will never do. What God gives us is because he loves us, not because we're worthy, not because we deserve anything. It's because he loves us and he wants the best for us. So in verse 25, we read that Jehoshaphat and the people took away the spoils more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil that the Lord allowed Israel to take away. The Bible says in Psalms that earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof. So we do not own anything. No one owns anything. We didn't create it. We didn't make it. We don't sustain it. We don't maintain it. So we own nothing. What the Lord does is he gives us things to steward on his behalf. And he has the right to take those things back if we are not faithful stewards. And this is basically what he has done. These three nations have come against the children of Judah to destroy them, which was not God's will. Their cup of iniquity was full. And so the Lord simply took his physical, tangible blessings, abundance that these nations brought with him were God's. He gave it to them to steward, which they failed to do. And he just simply took it back and he gave it to the children of Judah. The Lord will do that for us as well. But I want us to think beyond the physical blessings he gives us. And he does bless us with tangible things. I was thinking about this. More than riches and gold, what I have liked to have walked away with. And we will read about that later in the last part of this series. But the thing that I think for me, the riches that I want more than the tangible things is to be in possession of the love of God in me so that when I speak to other people, when I meet other people, when I share with other people, they can see Christ in me. I honestly don't think you can get any richer than that. Silver and gold cannot buy that. When we have the love of God in us, we are rich immensely rich. So I'm going to conclude today with, I think it's in Psalm 16, where David said, in his presence there is fullness of joy. Who doesn't want a life full of joy and peace, whether you have riches or not? And this is what God is offering us, the life that we can have in him, which is joy and peace. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. You are the most courageous woman I know, and I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. Until next time, be blessed.